Thanksgiving travel bounced back to pre-pandemic levels. Also tonight, new images inside the crowd surge that killed eight people at a Travis Scott concert in Houston. The desperate moments, fans buried under a crush of bodies among the injured, a nine-year-old boy now fighting for his life. And what the fire chief now says Travis Scott should have done on stage. The prosecution resting and the defense beginning its case in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. The dramatic new drone video played in court today, what it shows. The new wave of subpoenas in the January 6th investigation. The high-profile members of former President Trump's inner circle called to testify. The former officer who fatally shot Breonna Taylor at a hearing today. Why he says he should get his job back. The new warning on soaring heating bills this winter. What you can do right now to save money. And sleep and your health. What's the best time to go to bed for your heart? This is NBC Nightly News with Lester Holt. Good evening. We haven't heard the last word on COVID booster shots. Pfizer tonight making its case to the FDA that booster shots of its vaccine are 95% effective and that they are safe for all fully vaccinated adults. Over 25 million Americans have received boosters since the CDC signed off on them for all three vaccines, but largely for certain age and risk groups. Pfizer asking federal regulators to amend its emergency use authorization and allow it to expand booster availability to virtually everyone. But some experts worry the case for healthy people to get boosters hasn't fully been made. Miguel Almaguer has details. Today's submission from Pfizer is a major step toward providing a booster shot for any American adult who wants one. Seeking emergency use authorization from the FDA, if approved by the agency and the CDC, those 18 and over who've been fully vaccinated with Pfizer for six months would qualify. But if Americans can mix and match boosters as currently allowed, soon 156 million could be eligible. Pfizer's request comes less than two months after a panel of experts rejected a similar one. I think what the FDA is going to look at is where, where is the compelling need to give this vaccine to everyone who's over 18 years of age and healthy. All right, big six. With booster authorization already given to seniors and select others, Dr. Paul Offit, who's on a panel that makes vaccine recommendations to the FDA, isn't convinced everyone needs a booster. You are likely to benefit if you're over 50 years of age and have a medical condition that puts you at high risk of serious COVID. For everybody else, I think you can feel confident that you are fully protected at two doses. It didn't really hurt that bad. It was pretty quick. Early demand outpaced supply at some schools where kids 5 to 11 are getting their jabs. Nationwide, daily vaccinations have risen by more than 55%. We can't say that we'll reach critical threshold of herd immunity if we vaccinate a certain percentage of our population and not consider children. Now with an estimated 53 million planning to travel for Thanksgiving, a number just shy of pre-pandemic levels, doctors say being protected is as important as ever. Tonight, our nation showing signs of normalcy amid reminders the pandemic is far from over. And Miguel, I have to tell you, my first thought was, with so many people getting boosters, will it change what it means to be fully vaccinated? 
Well, not yet, Lester, but that is a possibility. The CDC says for now its definition of being fully vaccinated remains unchanged. But when all Americans qualify for a booster, that definition could be reexamined down the road. Lester. All right, Miguel Almaguer, thank you. Tonight, disturbing new video emerging of the surging crowd of that Travis Scott performance in Houston where eight people died. The young victims ranging in age from 27 down to just 14 years old. And tonight, Houston's fire chief says Scott should have stopped the show once he saw what was happening in the crowd. Morgan Chesky is there. Tonight, inside the deadly concert surge. This video conveys the desperate moments at Travis Scott's Astroworld Fest. Fans nearly buried under bodies. One appearing to dial 911. This investigation will take some time. Because it is, it is complicated. In all, eight concert goers died. Still unclear, why did it take so long to stop the performance? Officials declaring a mass casualty event around 9.30 p.m. Scott did not stop performing until 10.10. During that time, video showed the crowd pleading for it to end. NBC Savannah Guthrie asking Houston's fire chief if Travis Scott should have stopped the show when he saw what was happening. Look, absolutely. Look, we all have a responsibility. Everybody in that uh, at that event has a responsibility, starting from the from the artist on down. The chief saying he was not prepared to say if Scott was fully aware of the situation or if he initiated it. Sources close to Astroworld tell NBC News Scott was not aware and, quote, once he was notified, he stopped the show. History shows Scott has prior safety issues. In 2015, the rapper pled guilty to reckless conduct after allegedly urging fans to jump barricades in Chicago. Two years later, he pled guilty for disorderly conduct after allegedly encouraging fans to rush the stage at an Arkansas concert. For the families of victims, calls for justice growing louder. NBC News tracking more than 30 lawsuits filed. It was a, a death trap. <laughs> the Blunt family now praying for nine-year-old Ezra sitting on his dad Treston's shoulders when the crowd squeezed so tight, Treston passed out. The crowd just starts going crazy and Treston goes, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And Treston passed out and Ezra fell into the crowd. So he woke up in the crowd and Ezra was gone. He didn't know where his son was? No. Ezra's family found him in a hospital, suffering brain and organ damage so severe. Tonight, doctors have placed him and a medically induced coma. Morgan, I know there's a criminal investigation underway, but now there are calls for more? Yeah, Lester, that's right. I spoke to Lena Hidalgo, the top elected official here in Harris County, who wants a wide-ranging independent investigation to look at everything from the layout of this concert venue to potential safety flaws, all to hopefully prevent another tragedy from happening again. Lester. All right, Morgan Chesky tonight. Thank you. And today, the committee investigating the deadly attack in the U.S. Capitol subpoenaed more Trump officials for testimony and documents. They include former senior advisor Stephen Miller and former press secretary Kaylee McEnany. A federal judge has rejected a new attempt by the former president to block the National Archives from sending records to the committee. The archives expected to turn them over on Friday. In Kenosha, Wisconsin, the prosecution rested its case in the murder trial of Kyle Rittenhouse after five and a half days of testimony. But not before it showed new video of the shooting. Gabe Gutierrez is at the courthouse. This new high-definition drone video, zoomed in and slowed down by a forensic imaging specialist, shows Kyle Rittenhouse wheeling around and shooting Joseph Rosenbaum at close range. 
It's unclear whether Rosenbaum was grabbing for Rittenhouse's gun or trying to swat it away. Mr. Rosenbaum died from multiple gunshot wounds. Today, jurors also saw a demonstration of Rittenhouse's AR-15-style rifle. The now 18-year-old killed two men and wounded a third during a night of unrest following the police shooting of Jacob Blake in August of 2020. Prosecutors have tried to portray Rittenhouse as an aggressor who was looking for trouble. But at times, especially during cross-examination, the witnesses bolstered Rittenhouse's claim of self-defense. It wasn't until you pointed your gun at him, advanced on him, with your gun, now your hands down, pointed at him, that he fired, right? Correct. Is that what the testimony about to give this matter be the truth? Today, the defense called as its first witness a man who said he went to the protest that night at the request of the owners of a car dealership to protect the building. He says he saw Rittenhouse shortly after the shootings. Uh, he repeats, uh, I just shot someone over and over, and I believe at some point he did say he had to shoot someone. Also today, the judge dismissed one of the seven charges against Rittenhouse, a curfew violation, after he determined the prosecution did not address it during its presentation. Lester? All right, Gabe, thank you. In Louisville, Kentucky, the former police detective who lost his job for firing the shot that killed Brianna Taylor in that raid on her home is fighting to get his job back. Lawyers for Miles Cosgrove and the police department began to argue the case today before a merit board that will hear four more days of testimony. In just 60 seconds, teaching about race and inequality in schools, the red-hot issue, and the black high school principal in Texas who lost his job. And how to keep warm and save as home heating costs soar. A high school principal in Texas has lost his job after he was falsely accused of promoting critical race theory. It comes as disputes over race and education are putting the nation's cultural divide on full display. Here's Antonia Hilton. Those who don't know their history are condemned to repeat it. In Texas overnight, tensions boiling over in the battle over race and education in schools. And none of you can identify with the black man in America and his experiences, but he brought those experiences to our students. Two of my kids were lucky enough to have him as an educator. Dr. Wiltfield has done so much good for the school and the community. Do better. Be better. The entire nation is watching what you will do. Dr. James Whitfield, the first black principal at Colleyville Heritage High School, officially removed from his position during an emotional school board meeting. All of it over what he says was a false accusation of promoting critical race theory. Education is my, my heart and soul. The Grapevine Colleyville School District acknowledges there's no evidence Dr. Whitfield promoted critical race theory, the study of law and racial inequality. But anger in the community has focused on an email he sent after George Floyd's murder, in which he said systemic racism was alive and well. Tonight, I would like to express my concerns. It was the resident who initiated public myself, criticism of Dr. Whitfield last summer who made final remarks at the school board meeting last night. And the question should be asked, how did we get here? Critical race theory. <laughs> equity. Critical Sir. race theory. Equity. Social emotional learning. Where do you go from here? I've got a family that needs me. It's bigger than me. The district told NBC News that Whitfield lost his job due to deficiencies in his performance. The former principal, who had been promoted twice before within the district, denies that claim. Last night, the district acknowledging both parties strongly believe they are in the right. Why do you want to stay around to the end? I needed to see the look on their faces when they read that. The fact that they said that with a straight face, they're, they're hurting students. Whitfield, who had been suspended since August, will receive pay until 2023. He says he doesn't know where he'll work next and worries educators everywhere feel silenced. I plan on speaking up because that's what you're supposed to do. 
right? But we got to think about what that, what is that silence doing, not only for you, but is it being harmful to moving us along as a society? He fears he won't be the last to lose a career over speaking out. Antonia Hilton, NBC News, Grapevine, Texas. Let's turn out of the price you pay, and if you're feeling the sting of higher energy prices, a new government report shows they're continuing to go up. Stephanie Rule looks at how you can hold down the cost of heating your home. It looks like an expensive operation. But John and Mary Diulio are paying nothing today. In 95% efficiency, I'm only getting about 67%. To get their Connecticut home ready for winter. Did you have a feeling that your house wasn't energy efficient? Is the house normally cold? Oh, we know it's the house was built in 1927, and the ductwork and everything is old. So I knew we were leaking air. They're taking advantage of a program through their electric company that looks for leaks, gaps, and insulation. You can see that the heat is just radiating out of that corner. And fixes them, in some cases for free, or provides rebates and other assistance. On average, our customers save about um, $200 annually, as well as um, we do about $1,000 worth of work in the home that day. These audits are available across the country. Experts recommend calling your local utility to find out what they offer. As this winter, the Energy Department says heating costs will be higher and temperatures will be colder than last year. We're projecting between $300 to $500 more to heat your home on top of already high gasoline prices. In the meantime, there are steps you can take today to lower your monthly bill. Tune up your furnace and replace the filter. That could save up to 10%. Turn down the thermostat at night. Every one degree lower can save 2% on your bill. And seal up any leaks. As for the Diulios... Do you almost feel excited to see next month's bill to see if it worked? <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Keeping their winter heating bill from rising as temperatures drop. Stephanie Rule, NBC News. And here's something to think about for later tonight. Is your bedtime affecting your health? New research shows falling asleep between 10 and 11 p.m. lowers the risk of heart disease by 12%. The study also found going to sleep before 10 or after midnight significantly raises heart risk by disrupting the body clock. Up next, an intensive and innovative program for veterans with PTSD in those who serve. This week, we're honoring our nation's veterans in our series, Those Who Serve. Tonight, the millions who have suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder. Cynthia McFadden on the intensive therapy that's working in Los Angeles, Chicago, Atlanta, and Boston, where veterans can receive life-altering, sometimes life-saving treatment. For nearly 15 years, Blair Morin served as a military medic, including on the front lines in Afghanistan. Lost a lot of friends fighting for pieces of property. He says the withdrawal was hard to watch. The guys that I couldn't bring home, I carry them with me. Still? Still. Blair himself suffered a traumatic brain injury and started experiencing PTSD. When you talked to your commanding officer, what did he say to you when you said you thought you might have PTSD? I was actually told that PTSD is not a real thing. I, I felt like I was digging into a hole and I was yelling for help and instead of throwing a rope, I had dirt kicked down on me. At his lowest point, Blair says he got a glimmer of hope at a veteran's fundraiser at Fenway Park. Another veteran got up and he was telling his story. He actually 
said when he decided to reach out was when he had decided to take his own life. Um, I was there. You had had those thoughts too? Um, I, it was a step further. I had a plan. Blair was about to become part of a staggering statistic. The 30,000 post 9-11 vets and service members who have died by suicide. Four times the number who died in combat. But the vet who spoke at the fundraiser that day spoke about a sort of mental health boot camp where it said veterans can get more hours of therapy in two weeks than they would in a year. It's at a place called Home Base, and it's free, funded by the Wounded Warrior Project and run by Mass General. Blair enrolled. From morning to night, their job is to recover. Rather than waiting seven more days for the next 15-minute session, they're able to apply in real time what they've learned for the life that lives outside of these two weeks. Dr. Lewis Chow is a clinical psychologist who helps run the program. There is this incredibly powerful belief that I didn't do enough, I failed, I should have done more. And that gets echoed hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of times. That was the case for Sergio Alfaro, an Iraq veteran who came to home base five years ago. Sergio was admitted to Harvard Medical School when he got home, but his PTSD got in the way. It's like all these things that everybody is able to do made me start thinking about these very disturbing things that happened over there. You know, either incoming, you know, mortar explosions or RPGs blowing up. I think that's one of the best things about the group therapy was the, the fact that I was able to engage with other veterans to kind of see what they were going through and to not feel so alone. What do you think life would have been like if you hadn't found your way here? <sighs> I, uh... Hey, it's okay. It's okay. I wouldn't be alive right now. Blair said the uh, same. I'd be huddled up in my basement, avoiding life. My children wouldn't have a father. My wife would be a single mother. Worst case, I just wouldn't be here. His advice for other veterans who are struggling right now? You didn't do this alone in the military. You're not doing it alone now. Reach out. Cynthia McFadden, NBC News, Boston. We'll take a break up next from tragedy to joy, a reunion you won't want to miss. Finally, from Boston, a story of resilience and coincidence that's inspiring America. Here's Kristen Dahlgren. When Jackie Webb was rushed to the hospital for an emergency C-section, memories came flooding back. The last time I was rushed into the hospital was from um, the bombing. The Boston Marathon bombing. Jackie and then-boyfriend Paul Norton both severely injured. Paul lost his leg. When we first got injured, well, I wasn't sure if I wanted to have a child anymore because I didn't know if I'd be able to, like, you know, teach her to ride a bike, run with her. Their lives forever changed. Jackie spent weeks at Tufts Medical Center. So imagine her surprise when moments after giving birth, she saw a familiar face. Nurse Nicole Casper, who had taken care of her all those years ago. We just jumped right into it. Like, we hadn't seen each other in eight years, but here we are again. <laughs> Nicole was now working labor and delivery and helped ease Jackie's fears as they renewed their bond over a sweet little baby named Ella. When you see somebody in the worst of times, then you get to see them in the best of times. It's um, not something that you often get as a nurse. So this was amazing. And this time, they were also joined by Paul. 
I heard about him the whole time she was in the hospital um, because he was trapped at a different hospital. So it was great to meet them both, see them together as a couple, um, and, and to see this beautiful baby. A family no longer focused on tragedy. I think that, you know, it was a silver lining of having her. We maybe didn't anticipate that, but it's just, it's not in the forefront of our lives anymore. A friendship once forged in terror, now linked by something much greater. Kristen Dahlgren, NBC News, Boston. The kind of bond you don't forget. That's nightly news for this Tuesday. Thank you for watching. I'm Lester Holt. Please take care of yourself and each other. Good night.